0: Praise the Lord. Wow. Wow. I invite you to turn with me in the New Testament. Our text is 2 Timothy chapter 3. And to give context to verses 16 and 17 where we will focus our attention, I'll begin reading in verse 10. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 through 17. A lot of songs in the past, I think or in the past that people in my age range or are a little younger or older sang as children. And I made a statement like this one time and one of the preschool workers in the church said, Brother Bill, if you would come back there, you would find that we are still singing those songs. So I hope so. But this is a song that will resonate in your hearts and, and I started to put in one of the words, I left it out, but I will be saying it And that is our thought process today is that precious little song that we sang often, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me, amen? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you know my heart. It is overflowing with your word. And oh, how I pray. For that anointing of the Holy Spirit to turn that word loose, turn it loose, Lord Jesus. And forgive us of our sins. In your precious name we pray, the name Jesus. Amen. To give us the context here, the Apostle Paul is writing to the young Pastor Timothy, who shows up often in Paul's ministry, but we also recognize him as being a young pastor in a very influential large church at Ephesus. And all of the challenges that come with that and the apostle Paul always encourages him. And here he begins with verse 10, but you, meaning Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconia, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in christ jesus i pause a moment here because there is most definitely A very current application of this word and that is you know evil men and imposters grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived but our challenge is to continue in the Word of God to continue in the Word of God and then comes that very well-known passage of Scripture all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Following this passage of scripture phrase by phrase, as I share here the Bible, and that's the book for me, that's the book for us, What is the Bible? How can we understand the Bible? There are so many ways that this could be presented. But this is the way that it has been impressed upon my heart today. And that is, first, the Bible is a love letter from God. And I'm so grateful in my heart where I feel I'm being led by the Spirit where we come in here and we just sang a song, Oh, How He Loves, You and me Love is the theme Love is the theme God is love We love God because God first loved us The first little piece of a verse That children learn in Sunday school Is out of 1 John God is love And so I would share with you That the Bible is a love letter from God And the first part of verse 16 says All scripture Is given by inspiration Of God It has been said that literally the word inspiration here means God breathed. His word has come from His being to us, to us. I remember, and it stuck in my mind, and it's been a long time ago, there was some type of commercial or public announcement or whatever you would call it on the Christian faith And there would be pictures of the challenges of life. And I just remember these words behind it. And in fact, I preached a message on that theme. And that was way back when I was at Central Baptist. And as you see these challenges of life, you're hearing in the background these words, tell them that I love them. Tell them that I love them. Naturally, I decided I needed to get behind that and found out that there was a very popular song some years ago, especially sung by the Martins. And the title of it, Tell Them That I Love Them. And the first stanza goes like this and it's set in an early morning in a church. And I can see one of those little country churches that I pastored. And this is before anybody gets there that morning. And it says, An old-time preacher in a small-town church bows his head to pray. And he begins to see the people who are going to be coming in in just a few moments. And what is it that they need? What is it? And so an old-time preacher in a small-town church bows his head to pray. He's begging God to tell him what they need to know. And a still small voice says tell them that i love them isn't that awesome somebody maybe not in this group but somebody out who share with us by way of radio somebody that may come in a little later as one of our guests when i say that they might question in their heart are you sure about that preacher are you sure and some people have this concept of god as an angry god and a god of wrath and they say, you know, when I read the Bible, it disturbs me some of the things that are there. And as I've shared with you before, it all depends upon your concept of God. And Lloyd John Ogilvy said so powerfully years ago, our God is either a heavenly policeman who is hiding, waiting for us to mess up so he can come down on us, or our God is our heavenly Father. I was blessed with a wonderful father. And when I think of almighty God as a heavenly father, I can guarantee you, he loves us friends. Amen. That he loves us. And I'm watching my time carefully here, but I want you to feel something. I want you to feel something. And that is, I want you to feel the spirit, the heart, and what I believe is the tone of God. And these are just a few of the situations in the Bible. Think about the very beginning with Adam and Eve. They were created by the love of God. They were placed in the Garden of Eden by the love of God. They were visited every afternoon by the love of God. And then, like all of us down through the ages, they messed up. And when God got there in the cool of that day and they were hiding from him, he knew what had happened. But he began to ask them questions. And when Adam began to say, Yes, we ate of the tree, and the woman you gave me here gave me to eat, and of course he ate. He didn't want to put it with her that night, amen. He did what she told him to do. And Jesus turned, God turned to Eve, and and with my relationship with God, I believe that he said in a very sad and loving tone, and this is in the scripture, What have you done? What? What have you done and after they began to have to understand the consequences of sin the price that they were going to have to pay for sin, these words are not actually there but they are in his promise and God told them I love you I still love you and one day there's going to come one and he's going to take on the serpent that deceived you and he will strike the heel of that one but he will only bruise him and he will crush his head in the very beginning God is saying to them I love you and I'm going to get you out of this mess amen I am going to send one Jesus Christ we could go to Cain next and Cain and Abel making that offering and Cain it's obvious we won't try to to tweak every part of it, but his heart was just not in his worship. And God blessed Abel, but Cain was lacking, and Cain became very angry, and God came to him. And when you read it, read and feel the tone of someone in love, and he says to him, Cain, Cain, you need to be careful. Sin is crouching at the door, and it desires to have you. Cain, if you do well... It'll be well with you. That's the tone of a loving God. Israel, Israel whom I have loved, he says, in spite of all of their backslidings, he still loved them. And the prodigal son, as we always think of the prodigal son, and if we're careful, we will miss the key figure there, and that is the father. And Helen Steiner Rice, that frumpy poetress from England that I love her poems, wrote one entitled The Prodigal's Father. And the son comes home and there is great rejoicing and that elder brother comes out of the fields where he has been so faithful and he is upset like Cain was upset over Abel. This elder brother is upset over all of this fanfare for that younger brother who's been who knows where. And he complains to his father. Now what would be, you think, the typical response? That is, what's your problem? We didn't know where your brother was forever. We didn't even know whether he was dead or alive. And you can't even be grateful that he's home. No. God said, son, you've always been with me. And everything I have is yours. And your brother was dead but is alive. Come in with us and let's celebrate. One day Jesus looked at me and he said, I love you. I love you. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the word of God is a love letter from God. Breathed out of his life for us. We move to the next phrase and I'm convinced And i pray that this is acceptable to you that the bible is god's resume it's his resume you know what a resume is in that second part of verse 16 all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for what for doctrine what is doctrine doctrine is what we believe doctrine is the the expression of our faith it is the Outline of our faith It begins all the way With God in the beginning And goes all the way Till the day that we are in heaven And teaches us about God the Father The Son, the Holy Spirit Sin, salvation, redemption Everything that we believe And if you want to know what we believe Take that little brochure And on the back is a thumbnail sketch Of what we believe And the Bible is profitable to teach us of the Christian life. Years ago, Robert Fuljam wrote that precious little book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Well, I want to say that all I really need to know about God, I learned in the Bible, friends. Amen. I learned in the Bible. And I thought about this. We say, well, there's a lot of things that I don't know yet. There's a lot of things that I would like to know. I'm not so sure it's all there. Well, let me tell you, and I say this, and God says it very lovingly too. Some things are on a need-to-know basis, and we just don't need to know. Amen? In Acts chapter 1, while Jesus is about to be ascended into heaven, the disciples say, Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus says, You know, that's just not for you to know. But everything that I know about God, I have learned from the scriptures. And everything that we need to know about God is right here in this book. It's right here. Now, I've enjoyed this, and I pray that you will. If you don't, don't tell me because I'm a sensitive guy. Well, I really am but I just can't help these things. And that is, in my imagination, I see God going to apply for a job. Now for this to work, and I think about it overnight and all, as I go through this in my mind, I see the interviewer, I see a desk, but I have not seen, you know, what God looked like in that interview, which I think is very biblical, but I hear his voice. And so let us imagine that God has... Because remember now, I just said this is God's resume. And he has gone for an interview. And he sits down. And this was the days when you might get one in person and not online. And that is, the interviewer first, and you will follow the dialogue, says, Did you bring a resume with you? And I can see God handing him this and saying, This is my resume. Who I am and everything I've done and everything I'm going to do is right here in this. This is my resume. And I can see the interviewer saying, well, that's an awful lot. Let me just ask you a few basic questions. And that is, what is your name? And God says, I am. You <laughs> know what he told Moses? Moses. Moses said, who will I tell Pharaoh sent me? And God said, you tell him I am sent him. And I am means I've always been and I always will be. I am. And about this time, the interviewer is kind of like, I don't know what I'm in store for here. But God has always and will always And then maybe the interviewer said, what's your date of birth? And God will say, none. And the interviewer said, what do you mean? And God will say, well, I was in the beginning. And I'll be there in the end. And I'm the alpha and the omega. And you will find that on the first page of my resume. (laughs) In the beginning was God. I'm sorry, but I'm enjoying this. And this is, I'm giving you God's resume here. And then the interviewer says, well, what's your current address? And God says, omnipresent. And the interviewer says, what do you mean? I live everywhere. I'm all over the place. I'm omnipresent. That's our God. The interview is staying with this because it's beginning to get interesting. And he says, well, what is the highest level of your education? And God says, well, I'm omniscient. And the interviewer says, what's that? And God says, well, I know it all. I know everything. And I can picture the interview saying, do you know me? Have we met? And I can hear God saying, I knew you before you were ever born. And I know everything there is to know about you. And I visualize the interviewer stopping the interview right there. But he continues on, and so he asks the next question, well, what are your qualifications? And God says, well, I'm omnipotent. What's omnipotent? I can do anything, I can do everything. There is nothing impossible with God. This is his resume. God is everywhere. God is all knowing. God is all powerful. And then I hear the interview saying, Well, what would you consider to be your greatest strength? And God says, Love. Glory to God. And the interviewer says, Could you be more specific? Well, yes, I can. So this world's in a terrible mess. There's this unbelievable pandemic terrorizing the world. Oh, yeah, I know about COVID. No, no, this is sin. This is sin. And it's claiming lives nonstop. And nobody could do anything about it but me and so I sent my son I sent my son to die in the place of everybody past present and future I sent my son and I could hear the interviewer saying well what's your son's name And God says, Jesus, have you heard of him? The interviewer says, yes. And God says, do you believe in him? And the interviewer says, I don't know. And God says, would you like to believe in him? And the interviewer says, yes. And God says, you can right now. So hold that thought the bible is god's resume it's his resume second or thirdly the bible is a wilderness survival guide that's the next phrase in verse 16 the bible is profitable for reproof i'll come back to that for correction i'll come back to that for instruction in righteousness in the bible wilderness is a metaphor for sin it's a metaphor for sin When Adam and Eve failed, where did they go? They went out of the garden into the wilderness of this world, friends. When the Hebrew children did not trust God, they did not go into the promised land. Where did they go? They went into the wilderness. When Israel failed God, they became captives in a foreign land, which we are just finished studying in Ezekiel in Babylon. But I want to tell you, friend, when Jesus Christ came, he went into the wilderness led by the Spirit of God to put Satan on notice, I'm here, I'm here. 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness and Satan made no ground with Jesus Christ Jesus went to the wilderness of the cross. He went to the wilderness of the tomb. But Jesus Christ emerged victorious. And the Bible is Jesus' survival guide to those of us who are in the wilderness of sin. A couple of phrases from that song. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay cost you more than you want to pay. I have my father's Bibles, and in the front of the one of them, he's written that he heard somewhere, this book will keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from this book. But I want to tell you, friend, this book will get you out of sin, amen? This book will keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from this book, but this book will get you out of sin. And here is that survival guide. This book is profitable for reproof. This book will tell us how we got into the wilderness to begin with. This book is profitable for correction. This book will tell us how to get out of the wilderness. This book is an instruction in righteousness and it will tell us how not to go there again. Amen. It is a survival guide. It is God's GPS, God's positioning spirit. And whenever we find ourselves in the wilderness, he will let us know. You know how you got here? Will you let me lead you out? i'll help you not go into this wilderness again and then the last point the last point the bible is the pathway to life all scriptures given by inspiration of god breathe from his very being i love you it's profitable for doctrine i'm all present I'm all-knowing, I'm all-powerful, and I love you. It's a survival guide. I'll help you know how you got in that mess. I'll help you get out of that mess, and I'll help you not get in that mess again. And the whole purpose of it in verse 17 is that the man, the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good the Bible is the pathway to life. And by life here, I mean the breath of God, not the breath that you and I take, the breath of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, it says that God created man and into him, he breathed the breath of life. I want to tell you, friend, this word here is God breathed and it is alive. This word is the breath of Of God and one day Jesus asked the disciples when people were forsaking him are you going to leave me also and the Apostle Peter said where would we go you have the words of eternal life you're the Christ the son of the living God my wife loved this quote it hung in just about every room in our house that life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the number of moments that take our breath away. God will give us a breathtaking life. And this book is the pathway to that life. Jesus calls it the abundant life. Rick Warren calls it the purpose-driven life. It is the life of that has meaning and fulfillment. I'm reading a book. I had X this out, but I wanna take just one second. The three great questions and it's a revision of worldview questions and the answers from Jesus Christ. And the first is the identity question, who am I? I'm enough because of Jesus I'm enough I'm enough I may feel lack and loss but I'm enough because of Jesus it raises the question of belonging where do I fit the Bible says I belong with God's people and then it raises the question of purpose what difference can I make and the Bible says I'm invited into God's greater story. I'm enough because of Jesus. I belong with God's people. And I'm invited to be a part of God's story. And I, I, I will say this. It's on my heart. I believe God brings these memories to me for this purpose. Your part in God's story. Whatever it is, it makes an eternal difference. As many of you know, when I graduated from high school in 1989, (laughs) you're listening. (laughs) When I graduated from high school, basically I never went back to Rome for 50 years. I've told you I was one of those that while I was off in school, my parents moved, didn't lead a foreign address, but I found them. They'd gone back to Clayton, you know. But fifty years later, Providence, I believe, led me back to Rome, led me back to the home church, Short Avenue Baptist Church. This was just a couple of years ago. And a little bitty lady came up to me. And she said, Your mother was the first person I met when I visited this church. And she said to me, I'm going to the ladies' prayer room. Would you like to go with me? And the little lady did. 50 years later, she remembers my mother for that. That's a part of God's story, friends. That's a part of God's story. And every time I would go to Rome, she would come up and remind me of that. And so in preparation for this sermon, I made a few phone calls because I could remember her last name. I couldn't remember her first name. I honor her, Doris Bailey. And then I was informed that she passed a few months ago. And I told this person, well, I believe the first person to welcome her to heaven was my mother. Amen. Amen. God God will give you a breathtaking life. God has a place for you in his story, in his book. And it may not be one that anybody else knows, but one day, one little person may come up and say, you know, I visited Sweat Memorial Baptist Church. So-and-so came over and spoke to me and welcomed me, and I've been here ever since. God will give you a pathway to life. Amen. Amen, amen. James comes to lead us in a hymn of invitation. It's all about God. I told you to hold a thought. Do you believe in Jesus? If you don't, do you want to? You can do that right now. And I wait here to help you as we stand and sing.